0: You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, a podcast for spiritual souls on their journey of enlightening the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Powers. Welcome. Did you guys know I never really plan my show? You all know that I produce, edit, record, all, engineer, all, all of it, my own show. But I don't think a lot of people realize is that it's so informal that I book guests one day and record with them the next. Uh, I reach out to people through email and just say, hey, I have this podcast. You want to come on? Yeah, sure. Nothing is really formal. I don't have like a agent or anything like that. And I'm going to keep it like that. I'm always going to keep it like that. Lightworkers Lounge is very personal. You know, it's a place for storytelling, for sharing from the heart. And so everything is unplanned. But what's interesting is I seem to always release episodes that people need to hear. Now, I say it's interesting, but it's really not, because we are all one, truly, and that's not just some hippie peace love light saying. We're a collective, and I think the phrase collective is becoming more and more modernized because it's true. Look at what we're going through right now with the coronavirus. Even if you are blessed and privileged enough to be financially secure to just enjoy quarantine, be with your loved ones, that's not the case for everyone. And even if you don't have anything really truly to feel fear over, you're still fearing it and feeling it because it's a collective energy. So... Divine synchronicity, the universe wanted us to hear from her. On this week's podcast, I interview Lisa Dumas. She's a therapeutic yoga educator with a purpose to help others view themselves through a much kinder lens. Once an anxiety-ridden radio host, Lisa soothed her own anxiousness and herself on the yoga mat. And over a decade later, she's committed to sharing what she has received from the systems of yoga, mindfulness, psychology, and personal development to help other people create their own empowering toolkits. Lisa is phenomenal. And you guys always say how much you love my soothing voice. Wait till you hear hers. I could listen to her all day. Her and I share our own stories of anxiety, how we overcame it, what it felt like to have our first panic attacks. You're not alone. And after you listen to this episode on anxiety, you'll know you're not alone and you will have many tools to use to help get rid of yours, just like Lisa and I did. So without further ado, here's my interview with Lisa Dumas. Hey,
1: Lisa, welcome to Lightworkers Lounge. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie.
0: Yes, I'm so glad you reached out to me. And as I was saying before we hit record, it is just divine timing that we are releasing our podcast on anxiety during the
1: coronavirus outbreak.
0: Everyone, everyone is feeling so much anxiety right now. Can
1: you feel it? I can feel it. I think everybody can feel it. And you can see how we all have our own coping mechanism. And recently, a wonderful therapist colleague defined trauma as a moment in time where we feel hopeless. And I, there's so much unknown, and I do think that a lot of people feel hopeless and helpless at this time. And so it has been described as this collective trauma that we are experiencing. And it's important, if we can, to take time to honor that and to know that it looks different on everybody. Like for some people, and for me over the past couple of days, it's really looked like retreating and feeling distracted. And for some people, it may be in taking action, and in some people, it might look like spending. But can we have compassion that we are all coping in the best ways that we can?
0: Absolutely. Wow. Beautifully said. Now, you're in Vancouver, yes? Canada? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm here in Austin, Texas. And okay, I've got to ask, is there a toilet paper shortage up there?
1: Yes, it's no we have we have the same situation. My partner uh, a few days ago was out looking for toilet paper, and he had to go to several different locations in order to find it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what do you think is up with that? Why toilet paper?
1: Again, I, from my humble opinion, it's a coping mechanism, and what's going on in the world right now is really. Um, hitting that primitive part of our brain, our survival instincts, because that's what we're all about. We are formed in order to survive. And so when we go into a store and we see empty shelves, I think scarcity comes to mind and we feel that there won't be enough. And that is such a deep-seated belief and fear for so many of us that there won't be enough, that this is really triggering for that And that's the beauty of some of this work that I do, because from a therapeutic yoga perspective, we know that in each of us and in the unconscious mind, we carry so many of these beliefs that form our regular thinking. And if we're not really aware of our beliefs, which many of us are not, and if we're not really aware of what we're thinking and learning how to question that and look at that, then we are just defined by those thoughts and reacting based on them. So again, it's, there's, it's very problematic. However, it might even be um, problematic to really be incredibly harsh with people's coping mechanisms as well. And hopefully that, you know, with more information, we can calm down. And certainly there are so many light workers, like people that you have on this wonderful show, and you who are doing their best to put skills and coping mechanisms out into the ether.
0: Mhm, absolutely. You know, I've had this weird thing ever since I was little where I would go into a Walmart or a grocery store and I would imme- or the mall and I would immediately feel so overwhelmed. And at first I thought it was just like a social anxiety, but I'm an extrovert. I love people. So I I just didn't think that was it. And as I aged and matured, I realized it was the excess Excess clothes and the cereal aisle in the grocery store had 30 different options and there's 20 different options of pasta sauce. And I just know that we live in a world of so much excess and then going to places where third world countries like Costa Rica, there's some villages there where people don't have anything. And so seeing that and then coming back to the United States, I don't know. I go around the grocery stores here. And of course, in Austin, our Whole Foods, our other groceries, the shelves are bare and it, it doesn't scare me for some reason. I don't like go grab cans of beans and toilet paper and run out with it. I just, there's like this inherent knowing that there is so much abundance on this planet for all of us. And I feel that like collectively our community, none of us would truly let anyone starve or not have toilet paper. I don't know where that comes from, where I just, everyone's like, you're not panicking. You're not stocking up. And I'm like, No.
1: Well, it's also probably important that you're putting your lens out there because that's why I like to listen to podcasts and I like to listen to stories. And I think human beings are drawn to stories in the first place because we only have access to the thoughts that we have. So you're putting out a different thought and some people may resonate and some people may not, but at least it offers a different way of thinking than some of us might normally have access to.
0: Absolutely. And you know, I grew up in the scarcity mindset. I have many podcast episodes about my lack mentality towards money that I Mm -hmm. still struggle with. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with a single mother on welfare and my brother has Asperger's. So we definitely struggled with food and money and all that. So it's interesting to just kind of drop into myself and think, where did I get this mindset that I'll always have enough when at times as a child, I definitely didn't. So everyone's different, for sure, with anxiety.
1: And times like these, if we can, what you're saying is important to do, to take a moment and drop in and ask yourself, okay, what is this reminding me of? And what am I actually thinking? And what am I afraid of? And we could probably soothe ourselves if we took the time to do that. But that's even hard for a lot of us to do because it's so easy to distract ourselves right now. And every new article that we read is another moment of introducing more anxiety into our systems. And we are all in that together for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, speaking of which, so I have a few episodes on this podcast where I share my personal experience with anxiety and I want to hear yours too. Mm -hmm. But um, I've, I've struggled with it a bit all my life. I remember as a teenager, I would get a red rash on my neck and my chest, like when I had to do public speaking or when I was really sad or scared. Have you heard of that, getting a rash on your neck? It almost looks like a, I think they call it strawberries.
1: I think that's interesting, and this could seem theoretical to some people, but especially if you're talking about the fear of public speaking, which so many of us have, because we're standing there um, in front of a group of people, and it's really in our wiring to want to please our groups and our tribes, and once upon a time, if we were exiled from the group, you know, that could have mean that could mean certain death. So for a lot of us, public speaking is a big fear. But, you know, and again, this could be a theory for some, but it's interesting that you had a reaction on your skin at your chest and your throat, the area of which you're using your voice. So that ah. might be something that I would symbolically look at. You know, our our bodies are are very wise and hold a lot of information. And that was a huge part of healing my own anxiety is when I learned that my body really naturally wants to come back into homeostasis and is doing a lot of things and sending a lot of signals to me, communicating with me in order to help me do that. And in the midst of anxiousness, when it was at its peak, I was very dissociated from my body because it felt like a dangerous place to be living in because it felt like at any moment I would have all of those symptoms of a panic attack, which I now know was this discharge of energy that my body was doing because I was living in such a state of tension and living on the edge of my seat. So when I realized that, those anxiety attacks was again what my body was doing to try to get me back into balance. Because what happens after that extreme attack is that we tend to then relax, you know, then comes tears, then comes crying, then comes a deeper release of breath, and we go back to calm. So our bodies are doing what they can in order to communicate with us. And I just feel very honored and, and, and grateful that I was drawn into a path that included yoga and meditation that gave me some of that information. And since that first yoga class, I've spent, you know, the last decade just studying and being a committed student of this practice to learn why it helps so much.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So many nuggets of wisdom that I resonate with in that, like our bodies are full of wisdom. I, you know, I was a holistic health coach before I came into the podcast world. And I always tell people like, you know what? I don't want to tell you what to eat, how to exercise. You, your body knows how to do that. You know how. But it's the emotions. And when you said it's interesting that I got that rash on my chest and my throat. Yeah. After So shortly after that, phase of anxiety, I um, went and saw a Reiki therapist and she said, your throat chakra is non-existent. She said, you need to speak your truth. And so as I slowly began to, because I never did my entire life for a million reasons, as I began to speak my truth, that rash went away. I really haven't had it since I was probably 22, 23. Now I'm 31. I never had it. So once I cleared the throat chakra, spoke my truth, used my voice, that rash went away.
1: Yeah, I think that is very interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. And now my anxiety, and I'm sure you've heard people talk about this with you. It kind of changed to a feeling of falling. Have you ever heard of like, I feel almost embarrassed to share this because it was such a weird sensation. I would just be walking in the grocery and feel a little overwhelmed, as I said earlier, with all the just excess. And I would feel like the floor beneath me just caved in and I was on a free fall. Mm -hmm. And then I started to feel that while I was driving and I would have to pull over and just like, wow, why do I feel like I'm falling? And then that turned into feeling like the whole world was being flipped upside down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you ever heard of that before?
1: You know, anxiety shows up in many different ways with many different people. And again, this is a signal. And I think what I'd like to start by talking about, because we're using this word anxiety, which has a lot of power as well, and what I like to say to my workshops and my clients right off the bat is let's first remember that we are so much more than anxiety, and in this day and age when so many people are becoming diagnosed and describing themselves as an anxious person, I think it it behooves me to just remind that let's all remember because we can all do this, but language is powerful. And we can define ourselves based on this big word anxiety. And then that really puts us in a box because our body is listening to everything we say. So it's. I just want to get that out there because sometimes it feels like a sigh of relief just to remember that we are so much more than anxiety. And I also see that term anxiety as a bit of a messenger rather than a life sentence and a messenger that perhaps the lens that we're viewing our life through um, needs to be adjusted or something needs to change or something needs to be tended to and of course it would be my hope that everybody would see a healthcare practitioner and find out that everything is in balance because there's many different reasons that we can suffer from this state of being called anxiety. It can be passed on through the generations. It can be uh, because of a specific state of mind. In my case, it was trying so hard um, to live up to this impossible ideal that I had set for me. It was like living on the edge of my seat. It can be because of hormone imbalances. It can be because of vitamin or mineral deficiencies. And it can happen... Um, because of addictive behaviors, using substances, not sleeping enough. So there's just so many reasons. It's such a broad term. But it is, especially if it gets to that point where the symptoms are um, creating these episodes of panic, we can think of it as a messenger. You know, what, what can I look at? What can I tend to? What might need to change? What lens am I viewing my life through? And how can I cultivate a kinder inner landscape?
0: Yeah, that's, again, so beautifully said. And how I eventually got rid of mine is I changed my lens. I love that analogy. I thought, okay, when I have these episodes, I feel what? I feel out of control. And so I thought, where in my life do I feel out of control? And at the time, I was married to someone that I knew I didn't want to be married to. I was working a job that I knew I did not want a career in. I was living somewhere that I had had no desire to plant roots in. So literally every major player in my life was out of control. And that's how my anxiety came about is I wasn't speaking my truth. I was following my ego instead of my intuition. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: my body alerted me to that.
1: How healing that now you have a podcast. and. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you're very dedicated to speaking your truth now. So I also feel I never thought that I'd say that then in the midst of when anxiousness was really up in my life. But if not for those times, and for me, it lingered for a lot of years because there wasn't as much information about mental health and panic attacks and anxiety when I was really in the heart of it. Um, As there is now, you know, there's so much information now and we're so lucky there are so many resources. Um, But I can honestly say that without it, I wouldn't have stepped into that yoga room for the first time 15 years ago. And I wouldn't have encountered so much of the information and the tools that I have now that have not only allowed me to live more calmly, but have offered me such a, a life of deep purpose. And I'm not sure if I would have found that place and all of the healing that I've done. If I didn't have this dramatic, these dramatic years in my life, these years of fear because. Oh. It got to the point where something had to change. You know, when I had my daughter, um, that was the moment when I realized, okay, I can no longer live like this and something has to change. And I think, even in that first moment, when we realize that when we do get that we've been getting signals from our body and something has to change, awareness is really half the battle.
0: Yeah, it sounds like your story is perfectly in line with what I always tell our listeners. Things happen for you, not to you. I'm so thankful for my anxiety because, you know, it was partially a thyroid autoimmune disorder. Sorry, there's a helicopter going over if you can hear that, (laughs) but it was also partially not living my truth. So can you explain what your anxiety was like? How old were you when you first got it? What were your panic attacks like?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, In my early, probably in my late teens, is when self-doubt and self-consciousness and nervousness started to make its way into my mind. I sort of transformed from a really shiny, audacious, confident kid to moving through those challenging years in, you know, the junior high, early high school years. And so many teenagers suffer with a lot of pain. Those years are incredibly painful socially, and they were for me. Um, This is a story that I try hard not to identify with because looking back, I'm sure there was lots of sides of that story, but how I internalized those years were that there was some severe bullying that I experienced. And so what I learned was that sort of being shiny and authentic got you in trouble. And it could mean, you know, could put you in these life or death situations. So I started to get afraid. I started to become afraid of being myself And you can mix that with some early childhood situations of learning that I had to be really, really, really good in order to get love. Now, as an adult, much of this has healed, but that was what was internalized when I was younger, that I had to be so good in order to get love, better than I could ever be. And then realizing that, you know, I was Um, displeasing in so many ways when it came to the lens of other people. And so I started to really carry that with me into my 20s. And there was a part of me, though, that, that still wanted to step into this life that you know, this this part of me that wanted to step into who she wanted to be. And that part of me went into broadcasting and I, I was on the air. But then there was this other part of me that was just so shrouded in shame and was so incredibly self-conscious. And one of my teachers, Rod Stryker, he talks about in cases where we feel self-consciousness walk in, we know that we are vastly. Um, we are miles away from our true self because that true inner self that yoga teaches about so often, this true nature at the core of who we are, there is no self consciousness there. That's just, there's just wisdom and, and radiance and love. So I know now that I lived for so many years so far away from con- that connecting with that place, and my inner dialogue was just full. Of all the ways that I was wrong. Now, mind you, the information that there is now that we are not our thoughts, that we don't have to believe our thoughts, that we can investigate our thoughts, I didn't have any of that either until yoga. So I had no idea about the quality of my mind and how my mind was contributing to my feelings and then how my emotions were causing my body to just be so incredibly nervous because that Mm -hmm. that is what we're talking about when we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about a dysregulated nervous system we're talking about being in fight or flight or freeze rather than relaxed. And just after so many years of trying so hard in various aspects of my life, I had my first panic attack. And what that felt like to me was that I was going to have, I was in the middle of having a heart attack or a stroke. I mean, I had no idea what was going on. I felt a little off all day and, um, suddenly when I was trying to go to sleep, it was just the heart rate was just impossibly fast and uh, just perspiration and trembling. It was terrifying and it did land me in an emergency room and the doctor after many tests ended up saying, you know, well, that was a panic attack. And because I didn't have a lot of information about that and just because of who I am and maybe my lack of resilience at that time, I, I kind of went into hiding. I went into denial. I was not proactive. Um, there was no resource resources given to me about what that meant and what might be causing it and what I could do. And so I did spiral into some unhealthy coping mechanisms and found that using alcohol was a way to soothe my anxious mind Uh, i didn't even know at the time that i was abusing it you know just everybody sort of in my age group that's what we were doing but it definitely was medicine for me like it was definitely helping me cope in the world and years passed where I was just living in fear of the next anxiety attack because that's what tips anxiety into a disorder is we have this really scary situation. And then, of course, our negative bias, that part of, you know, our brain is going to be Saying danger, danger. We never want that to happen again because there was so much terror that was connected to that. And we know that our emotions are serving to help us remember what is dangerous for us. And in that moment, I thought I was dying. So, of course, I just spent my days being so afraid of that happening again. And because of that, my life got really small because I became afraid to drive, afraid to ride on the subway. Um, I thought that I would have a panic attack on the air, which, of course, I ended up doing. So, If I wasn't out with friends, distracting myself, drinking, I was basically in fear of having another panic attack. And this lasted for a lot of years. And then it was almost like I was giving myself my own exposure therapy because what was becoming clear to me as I continued to have these scary episodes is that I wasn't dying. (laughs) Like it was Ah, was starting, starting to realize that I was surviving. And I wondered if I couldn't end up beating this thing. And then um, part of it, and I really believe that why it lasted for as many years as it did is because of this quality of shame. I really didn't talk about it because I was so afraid of it. And I also thought that it was just so scary and heavy and just too much to burden other people with. And when I did meet, my now husband, that was the first time that I was really open about it. And then he helped me to advocate for myself and go and get things checked out and make sure just, oh. you know, on a physical standpoint that everything was fine and, and it was. And then the more tests that came back um, showing me that things were clear and I was fine. I started to calm down. And then I heard that yoga was helpful for anxiety and this is what's happening everywhere now is that health professionals are sending people into a yoga room for anxiety, which is why, which is really the work that I do now is helping teachers to to manage that. But when I first stepped into that yoga room, because I'd heard it helped anxiety, even that step was challenging because when we're feeling anxious or when we define ourselves as being anxious or nervous, heading into a new situation that's super anxiety provoking. But I finally got there. And I'll tell you, Stephanie, for the first time in years, I had 90 minutes where I wasn't thinking of anything because yoga invites you to pay close attention to the present moment. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had no idea about the power of here and now and how right here, right now, all is well and we are safe. Okay, But because of having to really focus on where are my feet and where are my hips and where are my shoulders and doing these postures that were unfamiliar to me. So really having to focus on that and then having this incredible teacher who was very mindful about having us breathe and then learning about the power of the breath and how I had probably been holding my breath for 10 years up until same that day.
0: Same here. Oh, <laughs> same here.
1: So when I woke up out of that Shavasana, I I felt so changed, like really it was a very powerful experience for me because I had an experience of being calm and present. And so now I had something that I knew I was capable of. Now I had something that I knew my body and mind could experience and I became incredibly committed and just devoured every ounce of information that I could get about this practice and its origins and you know, quickly just started to take trainings. Just a voracious learner. I continue to be. I, I will to the end because there's lifetimes of learning in this practice. And now I've moved um, into the yoga therapy world and how that can really help support other people who consider themselves anxious. The whole reason why I left my holistic health coach
0: practice to start like workers lounge was because I started to realize that mental health is the key to physical health. But I know when you're already overwhelmed with anxiety or depression, it can be exhausting trying to find the right counselor or therapist for you. Lightworkers Lounge is your home. It's your place to find help to keep you going on your journey. So I'm excited to share with you guys that Lightworkers Lounge has partnered with a company called BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online counseling service where you can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can now get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in things like depression, anger, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, and many, many more. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has over 3,000 counselors in the 50 U.S. states. What I love about BetterHelp is that if you don't resonate with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time. With four communication modes, text, chat, phone, and video, BetterHelp makes it easy to start sessions within 24 hours of signing up. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Lightworkers Lounge listeners get 10% off their first month with discount code Lightworkers. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash lightworkers. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash lightworkers. I resonate with, I feel like you just described my life to a T, mm-hmm. especially the part where you have your first panic attack and you're like, wow, something is really wrong with me. When I had my first panic attack, I was convinced I had a tumor, I had epilepsy, I had Alzheimer's. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's bad because you're so out of control. And like you said, I've had those too where you're laying in bed and then all day you kind of feel like something's going to happen, but nothing ever does. And then you lay in bed and you're like, yep, I'm dying. Mm -hmm. It's so bizarre. And I never had my first panic attack until I was 26. And I just never thought that would be me. But life got difficult and we can't always plan for things. So for people listening who are maybe in their 20s or 30s and just developed anxiety, like it it affects all ages, all, it doesn't
1: matter. Oh, and as women, um, anxiety that may have come and gone may come back with hormonal changes. Sometimes when our kids leave the nest and we become empty nesters, that's when it can rise back up again. But you mentioned something else there that I think is important to say, laying in bed and feeling like something is going to happen. A deep sense of doom is is common when it comes to feeling um, dysregulated fear or overworry, stress or anxiety, whichever word we want to use to describe it. And part of a yoga practice that is very soothing for that is thinking about grounding, because from an Eastern perspective, if we think about what anxiety is, we can look to Ayurveda, which is the sister system to yoga and its model of the doshas. And um, I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with Ayurveda, but the oh, doshas yeah. are, yeah, I, th- I thought so. The doshas are these qualities that are in us and everything around us. And the dosha vata, which is related to elements of air and ether, from a therapeutic yoga perspective and an Ayurvedic perspective, we would view anxiety as a dysregulation of that quality of vata. So think think of the qualities of air and mobility and turbulence and think of that scattered, chaotic mind. Yeah. yeah. I'm a pitta. That's me. That's, On fire. Yeah, yeah, the the power of transformation, getting things done. And often those of us who would define ourselves as pitta. Um, Our fire can also be burning hot and that can dysregulate vata. But the point is, uh, whether that sounds theoretical to some of your listeners or not, the point is grounding ourselves, grounding ourselves in our physical body, grounding ourselves to our connection to what we're sitting on to right here, right now is what we need when we feel like we don't have that connection to something real and we feel like we're living in our mind. And that's why yoga is so incredibly powerful to soothing anxiousness because the system, this technology comes with just a myriad of techniques that, yes, you can practice formally in a yoga room with a yoga mat, but also, especially at this time, there are a lot of healthcare workers or a lot of workers that are not able to isolate and, and stay at home and are under a lot of stress right now there's a lot of economic stress right now and so what i would offer to my clients that that don't have time maybe for those big formal practice or that doesn't feel realistic in their life is to just offer these practices as micro practices that they can use in the day just specific ways we can breathe specific things that we can do with our body in order to become present in order to soothe our nervous systems um you know, creating a schedule for ourselves, but ultimately every practice that I would offer in the context of a yoga class or just more accessibly in a day-to-day life, the point is to reconnect with the part of us that hasn't ever been afraid. And that's the way that I like to think of that core um, that yoga talks about, that true nature. I like to think of that aspect of us as the part of us that hasn't been afraid and that we can connect with that.
0: Anxiety is so interesting because things, oftentimes the things that give you the most anxiety to, to leave or get rid of, give you anxiety leading up into it. And then once you finally get over that hump of anxiety and get rid of it, it, it's gone. Like the example I'm thinking of in my mind is my divorce. It was impending for like a year. I knew I had to have the conversation with him and, We had to actually go through all the court proceedings, which, you know, for someone with anxiety and being a sensitive empath, that is just overwhelming so many times, but I just knew in my heart and soul that it had to be done. So I had so much anxiety leading up to it, but then once I got it done, my anxiety has really been non-existent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that interesting how you have to like work through it almost to get rid of some things. Now, after my divorce, which was about two years ago now, my life, it's still, I felt free and I felt like I was living my truth and I was able to drive without feeling like I was falling or go to the grocery with no issue, but I had, I don't know, maybe it was low level anxiety, like not panic, just kind of somber depression, anxiety, And what really helped me out of that was yin yoga. I didn't know that was a thing until I just thought, you know, yoga is always a really great place with great people in the class. I always love my teachers. It's just the energy and the vibe in the room. So I went to a yin yoga class every other night and it was late at night. It was like 8 to 10 p.m. Oh my goodness. I credit that so much to healing after my divorce. So I'm sure you know what it is. Can you share with our listeners what yin yoga is?
1: Well, it's an opportunity where you are bringing your relaxation response online. So think of going through these major life hurdles, like going through a divorce or moving or going through a pandemic. These are situations that are highly disturbing and they bring up a lot of emotions and they create a lot of stress. And so our body is in that constant fight, flight, or freeze, because again, it's all about survival, right? And the more primitive aspects of ourselves This does feel like life or death, some of these situations, when we're sending thoughts to our body that are creating all of this stress. And so you put yourself in the way of full relaxation where you were guided to breathe long and deep. And when we are breathing in a way that is full and complete with more attention to long exhalations, we're sending a message to our bodies that all is well and we are safe. And it's all about, you know, this elusive word balance. If you're spending a lot of your life with a nervous nervous system, well, then we are called to spend as much time as we can relaxing so that we are balancing. So you obviously found some balance and you obviously found more space to cope and be calm, making the decisions that you made to empower yourself in your life, because there's a lot of different ways you can think of anxiety, Um, it can be a situation that manifests itself because of something deep-seated, or it can be more situational. And in situational anxiety, like what's going on right now, it makes sense. And so can we have a little compassion for ourselves and for others to let ourselves off the hook, that we don't have to show up in a certain way just because that we see others are in social media? Can we speak to ourselves as we would somebody that we dearly loved? Because the antidote often to a lot of this trying to get it right and situational anxiety is self-compassion. And that's a term that is used so often that it can lose its meaning. But the way that I define it in the work that I do is Can we just again and again forgive ourselves for not measuring up to these idealized versions of ourselves that we think we need to be in order to be loved? Absolutely. we internalize that in our family of origins and that we have to be good. And we spend a lot of energy, precious energy, trying really hard. And some of these practices, they just give us space where we can be supported rather than supporting others. Where it's quiet, where it's distraction free. So, and then not only in yin, you know, these shapes that you're creating, some are proponents of it, some are not so much, but the shapes that you're creating are offering you this long, deep stretch. And then that can be really soothing for the nervous system. Um, There are a lot of benefits for all different styles of yoga. There's also a lot of yoga that's not great for everyone. There's a lot of things going on in a yoga room that, are not meant for everyone. And that's why I've taken the path of working more privately with people so that I can really take into consideration what's going on in their body, their mind, with their energy and their breath, um, and then offer them prescriptions that are right for them. Yeah.
0: Yin yoga was where we would hold each pose for five minutes, which doesn't sound like a long time, but when you are in a certain yoga pose for five minutes, It gets a little uncomfortable, but in a good way, because you're forced to stand still. You're forced to focus on your breath. And I tell you, you walk out of those classes floating, (laughs) you float out the door afterwards. And my teacher would bring sound bowls and she would give us little neck rubs. We
1: were in Shavasana. It
0: was the most therapeutic thing I've ever been to.
1: There are a lot of reasons that that science backs up that we feel better after a yoga class because in a class that includes movement we are discharging some of the tension and the held energy that we have been holding on to for a lot of people who are anxious just being still right away, that won't work for them. So they need to do something that is moving. So maybe it is a yoga practice, but maybe it's just getting out and going for a walk, really forcing yourself to do that because it's a lot easier for many of us to relax once we've moved our body a little bit, once we've been allowed to free our breath a little bit. So there's a lot of reasons why you're feeling better at the end of a yoga practice. But something to highlight that you said is a lot of what we're doing in our yoga practice, in our meditation practice, is uncomfortable. And that is part of the empowering part of the practice because we are learning to sit and witness and observe discomfort rather than running from it and distracting from it. And I think that was incredibly healing for me too because there was so much discomfort in my mind and in the state of living with chronic episodes of panic that committing to a practice as i did at the time got me used to witnessing discomfort and then eventually listening to my body and not putting myself in such harm's way like being able to listen that this is this is too much now i've gone over that edge you know now i've gone over to not keeping myself safe and being my best advocate mm-hmm. so i did like that you said it was uncomfortable but you felt better and you were learning to really sit with that discomfort rather than judge it repress it. You know, our, our motions have been called energy in motion and also using our full deep breath as you were, you know, we're allowing emotions and sensations to move on rather than, than keeping them held and stuck. Yeah.
0: Oh, I always taught that as a holistic health coach. When I'd have clients come in with anxiety, I'd say, did you go for a walk today? Did you literally get up and move and shake your body like do jumping jacks? Because Stress and anxiety a lot of times is just stuck energy. I find that drinking eight ounces of water and just walking to get the mail or take the trash out can instantly change my mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you, because you're sensitive like me and I really vibe with you, why do some people, and especially me, cry in Shavasana? Mm-hmm. After, even if it was a fast, fun yoga class, I lay in Shavasana, And for those listening who aren't familiar with yoga, Shavasana is the final pose of the practice where you're just laying on your back, face up on your yoga mat. And just taking it all in. And I've found quite a few times, I just find tears rolling down my face. So in your experience, why is that?
1: (laughs) Well, Shavasana is a Sanskrit term that is translated actually to a name that not a lot of yoga teachers in the West will say out loud because it might be a little triggering for some of our students, might be not the most pleasant thing to hear. But Shavasana means corpse pose and everything in yoga is very symbolic so what that means is that you are literally invited to let go of everything the practice that day you know your thoughts your tasks your strategies your life you're invited to just let it drop and rest and integrate the practices. you know yoga is a lot of the practice of unattaching ourselves from the way we define ourselves and the things that we have and um, the things that we want for ourselves and the roles that we play in our life and just remembering that we are much more than all of that. And so Shavasana is this symbolic time to let it all go. And for many of us, we're holding a lot in and we've been holding a lot in for years and years. And so if we have this opportunity where we have let it go, then even during a yoga practice, let alone in Shavasana, we can be surprised what can arise. You know, yoga sees a human being in a certain map and it sees a human being in as a layered multidimensional being that includes the physical body and our energy body our conscious mind, our unconscious mind, and then our true nature. And when we're doing a lot of these practices, and Shavasana is also a form of meditation where the body is at rest, but the mind is alert and focused, we are moving what is in the unconscious. And so what for a lot of us, we hold traumas with a big T and a little T. We hold memories, we hold emotions in the unseen places. And If we give ourselves the opportunity through practices like yoga, we might end up moving what is held and it may be unexpected and it may also be frightening and uncomfortable. And of course, everybody has to decide for themselves whether they ask for help in those moments. But if we can, can we welcome what is arising and be nonjudgmental about it and maybe even not have to make it mean too much? but just a welcome. And that's something to be said about managing anxiousness and panic as well. If I would have learned a lot earlier to witness, okay, I can feel my heart and put my hand to my chest and breathe and relax my abdomen, the place where we hold so much tension, and relax my jaw and look around and find what is real in front of me and look for somebody to you know create some physical contact there was a lot of things that i could do to meet and welcome anxiety but because i was always so afraid of it i was resisting it and a lot of us are very afraid and resistant of our negative emotions because we were taught so young don't be sad don't you get angry you know smile yeah and so we were taught to push away what we would term as negative and only shine our best foot forward and that is exhausting and that creates stress and so at every opportunity i think as our poor busy minds and distracted minds and exhausted bodies get a chance to really let go then that's when things might come up and i would say for myself and maybe for a lot of us right now with this with this health threat that we are in the midst of, it feels scary maybe to be, to go within. And so I can even find myself feeling more distracted and looking at my phone a little bit more than I normally would. Mm -hmm. But when we give ourselves that opportunity, we can learn rich lessons about ourselves. And, you know, it's just important, I think, to more often welcome whatever is arising rather than judging what is coming up and making, making us bad or wrong. Oh,
0: I love that. That is such a good message. Now I know one thing you help your clients with is differentiating between healthy fear and unhelpful fear. And a question I always ask guests of Lightworkers Lounge is how do you differentiate
1: between fear and intuition? Mm, That's a great question. Excuse me. That is a great question, and something that I have thought a lot about and have learned a lot about, and have had help from other teachers and writers. So, I started to learn about emotions several years ago within a yoga practice and through some other trainings and therapists that I've had, and how emotions are our guideposts rather than something that we also need to identify with. You know, I used to really identify with my emotions. And I would just say to people, well, I'm an emotional girl. That's just the way that I am. And if I had an emotion or a thought, I thought that was true. And that caused a lot of havoc in my life because now I know, and now many of us know, that our emotions are caused by what we're thinking. And because I was thinking with this super clouded lens, I was not seeing the world the way it was. I was not seeing my myself the way it was. And so it was playing havoc in my relationships and in my marriage because I was definitely looking outside myself for something that needed to change. But what I know now about emotions is that, yes, they are created by thought and they are there to guide us and to show us and to have us pay attention. And so there's this wonderful book called The Language of Emotions. And the writer, Carla McLaren, is so helpful because she gives different. Questions that we can ask ourselves in the face of different emotions so that we really can use them as guides. Because think about it when we're hit by a strong emotion, you know, that can just really topple us. And then we're not thinking clearly. And what our mind does is it immediately comes up with all these reasons of why we should be afraid. So our brain's like a computer. If we were to implant a fearful thought, then immediately we'll. Just have that confirmation of all of the reasons to be afraid. And then before you know it, we're in this big fear spiral. And so, the question in the language of emotions that was so helpful when you think about healthy fear is what action needs to be taken? Because think about it, fear, healthy fear. Is when I'm riding my bike around my city and I'm alert and I'm awake to what action needs to be taken when that car turns into my lane. You know, I'm alert. That's healthy fear. And I think Elizabeth Gilbert has, the writer, has really described it well that way as well. But then more of this irrational fear is what I was living with when I was in the depths of anxiety, which was around every corner something terrifying was waiting and that I was never right and that I was wrong and bad in some way, these core beliefs. So we come and we, and we may not know when our fear is irrational. You know, we can maybe hear it in others, but if it is more irrational, then the question that we can ask ourselves is, okay, what is the most loving action that we can take? And then that is one that might guide us into our intuition. Our fear is our louder, judgmental voice, Um, but healthy fear, you know, that's going to be a voice that we can listen to. But this irrational, unhealthy fear, this just uh, out of balance fear, that voice is going to be that more negative inner commentary, whereas our intuition is that small, still voice. And if we ask ourselves, what is the most loving action that I could take right now? And I've been asking myself that in the face of what's happening. And then we can come up with ideas and then we can be creative and then we can use our imagination, which helps us to think new thoughts. And we have access to that deeper, more loving part of ourselves. So that's one way that I distinguish between the two.
0: Yeah, that is a beautiful explanation. Wow, this podcast is going to help so many people, Lisa. I'm so glad you came on.
1: Oh, I'm so So, glad.
0: So can the listeners work with you? What do you offer?
1: Oh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Yes, um, I this week, in fact, am going to record many more online classes because the yoga studios where I teach my public classes are thankfully closed. And I also work at an integrated health center and I see clients privately. That's also closed. So I work with clients on Zoom or Skype and you can go to lisadumasyoga.com to find a whole bunch of yoga practices that I'm going to be putting up this week that are specifically for dealing with anxiousness and worry. And it won't just be movement. You don't have to have any yoga experience to spend time working with me. Um, there'll be breath, there'll be some journaling, there'll be some self-study, there'll be some meditations, but I like to keep everything quite accessible. You know, you don't have to think of yourself as a yogi to work with me. Um, I also shared this with you, Stephanie. I created, I created a digital version of this workshop that I tour, which is called warrior to warrior. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) That's so good. I loved it.
1: Thank you. That's kind of the work that I do in the world because I do feel compelled to give back Yoga has given me so much. It's really given my life back. So I feel compelled to help people who are feeling like they themselves are bad or broken and that anxiety f- is feeling like a life sentence. So I recorded this digital version just for people like that because I know it's hard to walk into a yoga room somewhere so unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's hard to be around other people. And right now, we're, we're not supposed to be around other people. Exactly. So. I do invite um, your listeners to check out the digital version of the warrior to warrior workshop on my website. And I priced it at a very accessible price, I think. But if somebody truly cannot afford it, just send me an email and I'll send it along.
0: Yeah, that's what I love about your program, Lisa, is that a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to wear yoga pants and buy a yoga mat and go to a class where I feel like everyone's going to look at me funny if I'm not flexible yours can be done completely from home on their own watch privately and they can really get the benefits and power of yoga so thank you from all of us for creating something like that
1: oh thank you stephanie for giving me an opportunity to share about it it's really really special
0: and we have a lot of vancouver listeners so can they ever find you in
1: person hmm. I teach public classes at Semper Viva Yoga, just a, a wonderful cluster of studios here in Vancouver. And then I work privately and I also teach some therapeutic group classes at Chi Integrated Health in Vancouver. And like I said, it's really a passion to work with people in person, either, um, either one-to-one or digitally as well.
0: Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Lightworkers Lounge.
1: Thank you again, Stephanie. It was great.
0: What a refreshing episode, right? I think we all needed to have a discussion about anxiety during this pandemic that all of us around the world and collective is feeling. So a special thank you to Lisa for coming on the show and sharing her story and sharing with us so many tools that we can help tame our anxiety with. I love talking about this because I just want you guys to know that you don't have to suffer with anxiety. You really don't. Lisa and I, you heard our stories. We had it bad. It was running our lives. But we awakened to the fact that it just meant, as Lisa said, we needed to change the lens that we were viewing life through. And once you do, everything changes. So for more information on how you can switch the lens on the way you view life, visit Lisa at lisadumasyoga.com. That'll be in our show notes. And you can also go see her on her own podcast, The Radiant Warrior Podcast podcast all right be sure to subscribe to our friday bonus chats where i always share a bit more in-depth details on wednesday's podcast topic this friday we will of course be talking about the coronavirus and anxiety i'll share even more about what my panic attacks were like and A bit more details into how I got rid of my own anxiety personally. So to sign up for the premium plan, go to lightworkerslounge.podbean, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Lightworkerslounge.podbean.com. Click on any Friday bonus chat to subscribe. It's $9.99 a month and you can cancel at any time. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your support, for leaving kind reviews on iTunes, for following us on Instagram. Lightworkers Lounge is truly your home and there are a lot of really awesome people here. I'll see you next Wednesday on the show and I'll see all the Premium Plan subscribers this Friday for another chat. Stay safe, stay grounded, and remember what energy is yours and what energy you're picking up. Goodbye guys!